Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you? I'm terrific. Uh, I'm not sure if I told our public or our, our great fan base this yet or not. Probably not since we record on Tuesdays. But I have my website is gone. I have a new affiliation. All my writing is going to be on John Clayton's brand new website, ClaytonFootball.com. A wonderful opportunity for me. We have a good staff we're putting together. And things are going great. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I saw that uh, earlier in the week and, and was excited to see that, not only for you, but you know, anytime you can get a new source of football information and, and perspective on the game, it's it's a good thing. And we all uh, respect the work that John Clayton's done and, and excited to see that chance for you. So yeah, great news. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Matt, today we're, we have a, a returning guest. I don't it, is this might be third or fourth time maybe even we've got curtis patrick from pro football focused and also my partner over at the dynasty command center curtis how are you man i'm doing great man quarter way through the season i really like it because all the math is super easy right now (laughs) (laughs) those two teams on by kind of throw things off i don't know what what's going on with just two two teams on by and they don't matter and we don't go together yeah we just ignore them Exactly. But no, you're right. It's hard to believe we're a quarter quarter of the way through the season. We're essentially a third of the way through the fantasy regular season, uh, which is which is also hard to believe. It's we wait so long for it to get here and then it flies by when it does. Uh, It happens every year. Curtis, today we are going to reflect on the action of week four uh, as as we've been doing the past Several weeks, we're going to talk about some different situations, some different scenarios, and decide as dynasty owners, is this, is this an appropriate reaction based on what's happened these first four weeks, or would that be an overreaction? Let's start with the Rams and the Vikings. That kicked off week four on Thursday night, and it was a barn burner that lit up fantasy scoreboards uh, really before the the week even got started. Jared Goff had a huge game, five touchdowns. Uh, as the Rams offense just continues to, uh, to, to roll up the points, it's, it's really crazy what they're doing. I'm going to rank Jared Goff as a top five dynasty quarterback at this point. He's got McVay. He's got the, the trio of wide receivers that are looking great. He's got Todd Gurley, as we all know. Is it an overreaction to put Todd Gurley? I'm sorry. Is it an overreaction to put Jared Goff in our top five? quarterbacks Curtis I don't think so um I was on another pod last night and I was put on the spot to rank Goff and Mahomes and some of these guys I I updated my rankings uh yesterday actually and Goff is my number two so I'm right there with you I just I I mean I think what's happening at the top here is it's just the the tier might be getting a little bit bigger and we're seeing some of these young guys that we are excited about they're now in favorable situations, um, good supporting cast, um, good head coaches that they're kind of in lockstep with. So I, I don't think it it makes much sense to fight on one, two, three, four, five, whatever, but I don't think it's crazy at all. I think it's the right reaction. I guess it comes down to me, though. Is it Goff or Aaron Rodgers for you guys or Cam Newton? Like, to go top five, like, he, I, he can't go over Wentz, Mahomes, Wilson, or Watson for me. My uh, My top five right now is Mahomes one. Goff two, Wentz three, Rogers four, Newton five. So you hit all the guys. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, you make a strong point. So you've got you've got Wilson as a, as a slider, Curtis. 
I do. And and again, I think it's a case of the the tiers changing. For for me, I, I really kind of think it it stops maybe after Rogers, and then you kind of get Newton, Watson, Wilson in a in a tier like one B. It's like the rushing upside guys, but there's just some things about their situation and their week to week output that make me a little nervous. Um, that just have them a slight step below. So, uh, yeah, Russ, Russ is sliding, and I know he's getting Doug Baldwin back, but everything about that cha- that team just seems like it's in flux. I mean, like Pete Carroll could resign tomorrow, and it wouldn't surprise me. I, I don't really know what to think about Russell Wilson right now. Yeah, and Wilson, you mentioned rushing upside with some of those guys. Wilson's running less this year than he has in years, maybe ever in his career. So that that rushing floor that he's had for so long – has has disappeared this year so matt it sounds like you think goff in the top five is a little bit of an overreaction a little but i mean your guys cases are strong i'm not really ready to cash out on wilson yet long term but boy that offense is good some of these other guys are just such good runners you know the goff doesn't bring that to the table and i think that hurts him a little bit when you're comparing them to cam and wilson and watson and those types I have heard. I think it's kind of funny, but I've I've seen a little bit of the idea that golf is just being propped up by Sean McVay's offense or by these three wide receivers, and which is just kind of crazy to me. Uh, I mean, Cooper Cup was just what a, a mid mid round pick. Robert Woods was honestly a flop until he got to L.A. We we've we've seen Brandon Cooks have success all over, but. Uh, it's not like these are established wide receivers who have been dominant. And it seems like we've forgotten that Jared Goff was the number one overall pick. Right. Uh, and, and just taking that away from him. He's, he's good right now. He's actually not in my top five, but I agree. I think Curtis made a great case. I currently have Wilson and Cam Newton ahead of him. They're both 29 years old. You look at Goff at 23 and even if it is a situation where he's just taking advantage of McVeigh and, and these wide receivers, that's not changing anytime soon. Uh, so golf in the top five makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. You know what else makes sense, Ryan? Checking out our friends at Squad QL. So do you want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league? Well, of course you do, or you wouldn't be listening to us. I mean, that's what you're in here for, right? So Look no further and then download Squad QL. It's the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Squad QL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, your bench players, and the free agent pool. So you're like, dude, how, Williamson, what are you talking about? How do they know what's going on in my league? Well, the app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, which is pretty much what everybody uses, pulling in your actual roster and your league scoring system. So then Squad, U- Squad QL provides waiver and trade recommendations, plus the app gives you player rankings each week, and it's all based on your league settings. Squad QL truly is your go-to app this fantasy football season. Head to Squad QL to download Squad QL. And, oh, I'm sorry, head to SquadQL.com to download Squad QL. You're all in one fantasy football manager. Squad QL, Squad QL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, and they are the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by well over 100,000 fantasy fo- their daily players. So you can download the RotoQL for free at both Apple and Android as well. So check that out. 
Our next game we want to look at today is the Bengals and the Falcons. That was a shootout uh, with, uh, again, a lot of high-scoring fantasy output. From the Falcons, it was kind of the same story. Julio Jones did have a, a huge game for Atlanta, but still uh, still didn't find his way into the end zone. Calvin Ridley, on the other hand, scored two more touchdowns. That gives him six over the past three games. Uh, and I even saw some talk that people are preferring Calvin Ridley over Julio Jones for the rest of the season in redraft. I couldn't believe it. I thought I thought that talk might start to pop up in Dynasty, uh, but was, was shocked to see that from some of the seasonal community. But regardless, with the the struggles, right, the air quote struggles of Julio Jones this year, I'm going to trade Julio Jones, and I'm getting Calvin Ridley and a 2019 first. Curtis, this is an overreaction, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, for, me, for, for me, it is. Um, Julio's leading the NFL in receiving yards. I mean, the touchdown, the lack of touchdown productions are something that we should have all accepted by now. This has basically been his whole career other than what, like his second year. I think he had eight touchdowns. Um, he has more than double the targets of Ridley. I mean, this touchdown pace is, is not going to be sustainable. And, and to me, it would be like last year around the same time. You know, what if, if DeAndre Hopkins was a couple years older, we're going to trade Will Fuller uh, or trade Hopkins for Fuller in a first. I mean, I, I think it's great that Ridley's around and it's good for Matt Ryan. That's probably the play as he's got two guys that are great now. But Julio uh, is still on the, the correct side of, of 30. Uh, he's on pace for over 2,000 receiving yards, and he's the one that's getting the work funneled to him. So, um, I mean, I guess if it was like the lock 101 or something, I, maybe we need to know where this 19 first is. But if, if you're just going to look at like a random first from this past season and put a name to it, this is something you and I do all the time when we're talking with each other on trades. So 106 last year in July was Ronald Jones by ADP. So you're going to trade Julio Jones for Calvin Ridley and Ronald Jones? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I agree with you. This is definitely an overreaction. And again, I, I would hesitate to even put it on there if it weren't for all this talk. And we, we've seen the same thing with Antonio Brown. We talk about these players' struggles and, and they're getting close to 30. And then we're, I think we the, really the panic sets in when it shouldn't. Julio Jones is wide receiver seven in PPR leagues right now. Uh, Antonio Brown, by the way, wide receiver 17. These are guys that are helping, uh, not only helping your your fantasy lineup, they're carrying you to wins every week. So Calvin Ridley's great to get on your fantasy team, but not at this cost. Matt, do you agree it's an overreaction? Yeah, 100%. And just to take it a step further, I know what he's done the last two weeks, but I'm still not super comfortable checking the box to start Ridley in a two or three receiver league. I mean, is, is he going to keep this up? I mean, maybe, but I like him, but not at a Julio like level. Well, Curtis is right. Obviously he, he can't keep it up. We've looked at, we've seen other guys um, have these stretches before, including Will Fuller and um, it, injuries of course have, have been his downfall, but in Ridley's case, for me, what I want to see from him is is target volume. We saw it two weeks ago in, in week three when he had that big three touchdown game, and that was comforting even more than the touchdowns for me. But but even this past week when he scored two touchdowns, we saw uh, Mohamed Sanu with more yards. I, I believe Sanu also had more receptions and targets. 
So I still want to see Matt, like you, I want to see that, that concrete every week roll for Calvin Ridley. Right. Next game, bears and the Buccaneers. We know the story of this game that the bears just dominated from the start. Um, and, and the Buccaneers had to make some changes. We saw Jameis Winston come in at halftime. Uh, I don't think anybody was really surprised by that. Maybe that it happened so soon, but, um, Fitzpatrick struggled. We, we saw it start to happen in week three and, and then kind of fell apart in the first half of that bears game. We also saw Ronald Jones make his debut. The running game for Tampa Bay still didn't really get going, which is understandable. And, in that game script that where they were dealing with uh, with a huge deficit, but Jones did lead the team in rushing. So at this point, I'm ready to drop Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm also dropping Peyton Barber from my fantasy team. Matt, is that an overreaction? Uh, not an overreaction to drop Fitzpatrick. I think in Dynasty you're still hanging on to Barber though. Although I think Ronald Jones is due to get a crack here after the bye. Curtis, what do you think? I'm probably holding, well, if it's super flex, we got to hold Fitzpatrick. We should say that still. I mean, Winston could come in and, and just be awful or, or make a terrible life decision any, any week. Um, I'm definitely going to hold Peyton Barber. Um, he could be bi-week coverage. Ronald Jones uh, could get injured. And, he, I mean, Barber has really not been super helpful. I mean, I don't think he has what? Does he have any, any games with more than, like, 30 yards rushing? He's not really doing anything with the opportunity but you just don't know what's going to happen. And guys that touch the ball more than five times a game on a consistent basis should probably be rostered in Dynasty. That's fair. I, I agree with both of you guys. Um, Fitzpatrick can go. I actually saw our buddy Sigmund Bloom drop him in a league already that, that we're in together. He already gave up on Fitzpatrick. And outside of a super flex league, we agree that's that's the right play. Cowboys and the Lions. Uh, we saw another good game from Carryon Johnson, but at, at the same time, a little bit frustrating for fantasy owners. Uh, I, I noticed as as I was watching that game, their first possession, they gave it to Carryon Johnson. The first three plays of the game, uh, he had a, a couple of well, he had he had a thirty, I believe it was a thirty-two yard run, and uh, and then a couple of other uh, a couple of other shorter runs. And then he only touched the ball a handful more times the rest of the game. I, I, I don't get it. We've seen comments from uh, the coaching staff saying they're happy with the amount of touches he's getting, so maybe this won't change. But we've certainly seen enough to to be hopeful about Carryon Johnson in that offense. He was a first-rounder in almost every rookie draft this past, uh, this past spring. So I'm going to give two 2019 first to get carry on Johnson on my roster. Curtis overreaction, or is that appropriate? I, I think that's a pretty big overreaction. I, I think even if you, if you took like a worst case scenario of the, the rookies from first round ADP this last off season, and you said it's going to be for the one eleven and one twelve. that's like Christian Kirk and Cortland Sutton. I still prefer that pair to carry on Johnson. So, um, I mean, I get it. Carry on has looked super impressive. Um, I've come away really thinking that he looks like a fantastic pro. And I think volume is the only thing we're waiting for there. But Patricia just seems to want to be difficult. And I, I mean, I think his touch uh, in touches, he's about even with Blunt. 
despite <laughs> being like two and a half times better on a per touch basis. So I don't really know what the plan is there, uh, what Jim Bob Cooter intends to do with those snap shares. So um, I would happily sell carry on Johnson in the other direction for two firsts. So Curtis, I, I think I've, we've talked about carry on Johnson and in general, you seem to be a buyer of him. This price is too, too high. I agree with you there. Uh, if you're trying to acquire him, what are you, what's your price? I mean, if somebody, if somebody wanted to make their money and get an extra second out of it, I mean, I think I'd pay a future first plus a second. Um, okay. To me, the hit rate on seconds is just so much lower. You know, it's really even in the top half of that round, like 25% or something chance of, of getting a, a viable fantasy starter. So I'll do that. Or, you know, maybe a first and, you know, really aging vet that might be helpful to, um, you know, that squad if they're trying to fill in their lineup or something. But the two firsts just really scares me off here. I mean, two firsts is an established running back. It's not somebody who's still waiting for their shot. Right. That That's what I was going to say. The list of running backs I would trade two first for is is not all that long. And on Johnson is not on it. Matt, do you agree with us that this is an overreaction? Yeah, you guys nailed it. And it's a great offensive line, in my opinion, or developing into one. I think it's a potentially great offense. But I think Patricia wants to be like Bill and is not going to dedicate to one guy. Yeah, that's that's kind of the scary thing. Uh, I saw some others make that comparison that he's he's treating the running back position just like uh, just like Belichick, and and so maybe we shouldn't expect this to change. Let's move on. Next game: Packers and the Bills. The Packers just uh, just wiped them out. No no real surprise. Even after the Bills had that upset victory uh, the previous week, my guy Randall Cobb was out, which meant more playing time for Geronimo Allison. He saw eleven targets, six catches, eighty yards. He did uh, he did leave the game with a concussion. Um, so that's, that's a little bit of a concern, but overall, definitely a promising game for Allison. And at this point, I think I'm going to rank Allison in my dynasty rankings ahead of every other green Bay receiver, except of course, for Devonte Adams. So that means I'm moving him ahead of Cobb, uh, prefer him to all the rookies. Do you guys agree with that? Matt, let's start with you on this one. Yeah, I do, and mostly just because I disdain Kentucky guys, so I want nothing to do with Cobb, obviously. No, that's (laughs) not true. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I I don't get good vibes with Cobb, and I don't love Allison either. I think he's kind of a sell right now as well, but I don't love any of the young guys either. So to answer the question, yes, he's he's my second most valuable Packer wideout, but I'm not doing cartwheels over any of them. Kind of by default. Yes, in this you, case. You better yeah. get rid of the Kentucky hater. You'll miss out on Benny Snell. That that will not be a good thing for you. Curtis, what do you think? Al, it, this is I think this is basically Allison versus Cobb. I, maybe you really love one of those three rookie receivers, but we haven't seen too much from them yet. Yeah, I'm I'm on board. Um it's it's mostly because of a lack of confidence in in Cobb at at this point, which makes me sad. He was a really fun player to watch, but I don't ever see myself trusting him again. He's basically got the shot that we were waiting for him to have this year and isn't isn't highly productive. I mean, this this was kind of the year that he was going to go back to uh, his early career production with Jordy out of the way. And with, with some people having questions about Devontae Adams being a viable alpha receiver in that offense. So I'm good with Geronimo there. He's been really productive uh, on his limited work. 
And, uh, yeah, I hope he gets healthy. I, I don't really know that I see Allison as anything more than maybe like a low-end dynasty wide receiver four. i got to figure out where he actually settles in. But this question is going to prompt me to move him above Cobb. I think it's a good suggestion, and I agree. What could you get for Allison right now, though? A two? I don't think you could even get a two, honestly. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel the same way you guys do about Allison. He's He's been fine. Uh, he's been better than I expected. But I'm still not going out of my way to get him on my roster. And because of that, I'll call this an overreaction. I'll stick with Cobb, maybe just out of some UK love. Uh, but it's it's certainly not uh, certainly not an overreaction to put Allison ahead of Cobb at this point. Next game, the Texans and the Colts. We've got a couple of scenarios here. This was such an interesting game, uh, thanks to a couple of rookies. Kiki Kuti had that big game. He was he was a favorite in the dynasty community, and then the injury kind of, uh, I think, kind of made some people just forget about him or give up on him. I even saw him hit some dynasty waiver wires, and because of that, I'm going to spend all of my remaining blind bid money to get Cootie on my roster had a huge game, especially uh, once Will Fuller left the game with the injury. I think I saw that, uh, that he actually set the record the the team record for most receptions in his first game with the team had 11 catches, 109 yards. He saw 15 targets. He led the team in receptions and targets and looked like a safety blanket for, for Watson from the start. Matt, what do you think? Spending all of my blind bid money to get him on my roster. Basically, yes. Uh, you know, I think that's always a terrible idea to spend all of it because you might need a kicker in week 10 or, you know. But uh, I'm spending 95%. Curtis, you agree? Well, Matt, 95% is not 100%, my friend. And I, I will, <laughs> right, so I don't want him. <laughs> I will pay. I will absolutely pay 100% uh, for Kiki at this point. I mean, wide receiver in a... Th- uh, 13 on the week in PPR uh, when he you know really wasn't in that full role until Fuller left the game. I, I think the thing we need to remember is Fuller misses time often in his time in the league. So you know this this type of week could be something that we see multiple times per year, even if he's going to be kind of the de facto wide receiver three or option number three in the offense. And in the way that I see Deshaun Watson's career arc going, and the fact that the team has still failed to establish a, a reasonable rushing attack. I don't see why Deshaun Watson can't prop up three wide receivers, uh, you know, effective really immediately with um, what that team's strengths are. So a guy like uh, a guy like this guy as a rookie, I, I, I just want him in my squad and I'll watch the upward tra- uh, trajectory. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Fuller's hamstring just felt full off the bone <laughs> one of these weeks. And now all of a sudden you're looking at the wide receiver two there. Yeah, I totally agree. Definitely not an overreaction. In fact, uh, if he's on the waiver wire in my league, I'm trading for some more fab money to make sure I can make uh, the biggest bid possible. Uh, I'm I'm a believer. I was already a believer, and he's not on any waiver wire in my leagues. But if you're in a, uh, a smaller or shallow league, he might be out there. Go get him for sure. Also in this game, we saw Naheem Hines have a nice game as a receiver. He had a couple of touchdowns. And he's really done this in in every game that Marlon Mack has been out, which which has been three of the four so far. Mack has only been active in week two. 
And week one, week three, week four, Hines has averaged eight targets per game. So at this point, I'm just moving Hines ahead of Marlon Mack and Jordan Wilkins in my rankings. That's not an overreaction, is it, Curtis? No, it's fine by me. Uh, I talked about this uh, elsewhere recently, and I don't believe in any of these Colts, really, just because of what Frank Reich has said he wants to do. He wants to be a committee guy. He wants to um, get a, a bunch of different types of backs involved. We saw him do that in Philly in the past. So this is encouraging for Hines, and you didn't really invest a lot in, in him, uh, what, like a late second maybe at the, at the most, um, even at the, the peak of his hype in the summer. So I think you're happy having spent that if you did. And I just haven't seen Max stay healthy, and Wilkins is turning out to look a little bit more like just a guy um, than the, uh, the flavor of the week um, upside guy. That a, a lot of very big names were high on him. Um, back in July as we, as we got into camp. So Hines, for me, I don't know, maybe what, a, a dynasty running back four, somewhere in the 40s maybe, um, but with some upside, maybe like a poor man's Duke Johnson or something. Yeah, I, I agree again, Curtis. Uh, not going out of my way to get any of these guys on my roster, but if I'm choosing one, it would be Hines. So I'm going to say that is an appropriate reaction. Matt, what do you what do you take away from this Colts backfield? Yeah, I like Hines a lot, and it clearly would be number one. I think he might be a rich man's Duke Johnson. I think he's an exceptional receiver with a great quarterback that should be able to utilize him all over the formation. Um, the receiving core is problematic, to say the least, and Ty, you know, T.Y. Hilton is banged up right now, too. I mean, I don't know if that's a long-term situation, but somebody's got to catch passes. I think Hines is going to catch a lot. So a rich man's Duke Johnson is like a low-end RB1. You think you think he's got that in range of outcomes? I mean, Duke, Duke's been like a borderline. I, maybe I value Duke. Then no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Duke Johnson no, has like multiple I mean, top eighteen running back seasons in PPR, and one of them was like RB thirteen. So, I know last year he was very yeah. very good. This year he doesn't seem to be nearly as factor the much of a factor though. That's why I was kind of judging him against recent oh yeah that yeah that makes sense i could yeah rich man's duke johnson yeah 2018 duke johnson yeah right right he was very good last year but right yeah that was my thoughts on that all right guys we're going to pause here for a word from our sponsor all right guys next game is the jaguars and the jets uh we saw leonard fournette come back after missing two games with a hamstring injury and then we saw leonard fournette promptly leave with a hamstring injury and now there's there's some uncertainty of when he will play again. It sounds like he's going to miss at least two games. But the coaching staff and, and everyone else just simply doesn't seem to know, or maybe they're not telling us. But we're going to get to at least week six and basically have no production from Leonard Fournette. I'm going to rank Leonard Fournette outside of my top 15 dynasty running backs. Am I going too far with that one, Matt? Uh, yes, but not by leaps and bounds. I mean, to me, that area of the running back ranks kind of falls off a cliff pretty quick. You know, like, I think I'd rather have Geis and Michelle than him right now. I mean, would you rather have Geis? I, I think. What about, like, a Nick Chubb? Um, you know, guys like Drake aren't real impressive right now. Lev Bell's stock is falling. So, I still think he's in the top 15, but I don't think it's crazy talk. Well, if you're looking, uh, I'm I'm checking out DLF rankings right now, and of course, Gurley, Kamara, Barkley, Elliott, Johnson, Bell, Melvin Gordon, McCaffrey, Hunt, Cook, 
Mixon. So that's the top 11. Fournette is currently 12th. And then a lot of the guys that you mentioned are close behind him. Guys, Nick Chubb is there. Michelle, a lot of the rookies. Uh, Devontae Freeman, Jordan Howard as well. James Conner. So, I don't know. Maybe, Maybe it's iffy if he can stay in that top 15. Curtis, how are you ranking Fournette right now? I'm I'm in lockstep with uh, the group that you just just read off. I mean, I, he's at RB12 for me right now, but it's in, in a a really big tier that probably goes through like 19, and and I don't even know who I prefer in that group right now. Uh, I I think what's happening with Fournette and what has already happened with Freeman and Jordan Howard have made it a, a very solidified top 11, and then I just see a clear drop right there. So it's it's almost a, an opportunity to maybe go value hunting and move around in that tier and pick up some picks or some extra players. But kind of sad with Fournette. This this isn't just like one thing that's been dragging on. I mean, yeah. this is what, like the third or fourth um, injury, and he already had the ankle issues coming out. So concerning for a player of his style and size. Yeah, and he's had these injuries that don't seem to be minor. I mean, he's not, he's not tearing up his knee or, or breaking bones. He's hamstring injury, a, a turned ankle, and he misses a ton of time with these. That's that's the real concern, as you alluded to, Curtis. What if you've got Fournette on your roster and somebody offers you on Johnson and a second rounder? I accept. I, I would decline that. Um, it's just not it's just not attractive enough. I think I can find somebody that'll pay more. It's it's not necessarily that I have so much more confidence in Fournette right now. I, I just think I can find better on the market. All right. Sounds good. Clearly some concerns with Fournette, although we're not right, quite ready to push him out of the top 15. Uh, also concerns about Kenyon Drake. Let's talk about the Patriots and the Dolphins. Another blowout. Drake has had eight carries in the past two weeks. He's 37th in the league in rushing. Uh, I'm sorry, in, in rushing attempts. I just don't, understand what they're doing with Kenyon Drake. They've had positive game script. They've had negative game script. He hasn't seen many touches in either scenario. I've got him on my roster and I'm just going to get him off my roster. I'm trading him for a 2019 second. Matt, I know you're a Drake fan, or at least you have been. Yeah, it's hard to be. It right is. Now. It is. <laughs> is that an overreaction to sell him for a second? And they just lost their second starting offensive lineman for the year. I think that's an overreaction. Um, and I was trying to buy him in the offseason, and luckily I didn't offer enough to get him in any of the leagues I tried. I think I tried to get him off of you. In one we of can them, work actually. something out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's too cheap to dump him, but, I mean, he's hard. I think he's got to leave him on your bench and hope that he comes around, and I think he still will. So I would give you a second for Drake. All right, right I'm, I'm not ready to take that. I agree with you. It's an overreaction. Okay. <laughs> I will say we're doing our October – uh, dynasty mock drafts over at DLF collecting our ADP. And I just picked Drake in one of them, but it was in the ninth round. He fell all the way to the ninth round. Curtis selling Drake for a 2019 second overreaction, or is that appropriate? I, I think it's an overreaction. I agree with you guys. The only thing that's frustrated me is with nobody really stepping up in that, that passing game in Miami, I, I think most people who wanted to bet on Drake for this year, it was really because of what he can offer in the receiving game. He looked really good there last season. I don't think anyone was saying, hey, he's going to carry the ball 275 times or anything. 
but I mean, he only has 14 targets through through four weeks. I I expected a lot more. I'm disappointed, but um, I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna hang on. I think he still has a lot of upside, and, and maybe Gore gets banged up. That, that hasn't really been the case for him in his career. I think maybe Fournette needs some of whatever Gore's been taking for all these years. But um, if if Gore were to go down, um, you know, Drake would potentially have some some more upside. So I'll, I'll hold. Curtis, kind of flip side to that, would you would you trade a second to get Drake on your roster at this point? I don't think so. Um, I think if, yeah. if I'm trading seconds right now, I, I'm trading it for players with potential that ha- we haven't seen or I'm buying veterans that are producing right now. I'm not paying seconds on – I'm not paying seconds for people who are underproducing. Yeah, I think that's that's wise advice. The Eagles and the Titans, we saw the return of Alshon Jeffrey. He missed the first three weeks and also missed essentially all of the offseason after shoulder surgery and came back strong. Uh, eight catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. I'm a contending team, and I'm going to trade away my 2019 first-rounder to get Alshon on my roster even after just one game and an off season full of injury concerns. Curtis, is that an overreaction or is that appropriate? Well, I think it's highly appropriate for a contending team. I mean, a late first for Jeffrey, who after all this missed time was PPR wide receiver 10. Um, I can't imagine that him and Carson Wentz had much time to work together this off season and they, they really didn't seem to miss a step. So that offense is needed Jeffrey too. He, what he gives that offense is something on the perimeter that no one else on the roster does offer. And so I think even if, even if Aguilar's Ascension takes away some of the, uh, the overall target volume that maybe we would have liked to seen Jeffrey have, he's always going to have that, that red zone presence and that touchdown upside. So happily trade a future first for a guy that I can feel comfortable with at worst as like a wide receiver three on a week to week basis. Yeah, I don't know. You mentioned the Aguilar ascension. I don't know that we've actually seen that much yet. He's he's wide receiver 40 on the season. I think he's actually been one of the more disappointing players, so maybe um maybe that's not much of a roadblock for Jeffrey. Uh, I agree. I'm I'm definitely willing to give my 2019 first, especially if it's a late first for Jeffrey on a contending team. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, 100%. I mean, if I'm a decent team, I'll give you what I think is a late first for him. Use him throughout the year, obviously. You're not going to get that out of the first-round pick for this year to try to win. I think he's an every-week starter until proven otherwise. And the only factor you guys didn't mention, I mean, you pretty much nailed it, obviously, was right at the end of last year, the Eagles gave him pretty big money to extend him. So they believe in him. All right, guys, we've been agreeing on all these. We'll see if we can uh, mix it up on these last few games here. Next one, Seahawks and the Cardinals. We saw another, I guess we can say disappointing game from David Johnson. Maybe this is in the same range as calling Brown and, uh, and Julio Jones disappointing. I don't know. Uh, but David Johnson, he did score a touchdown. Failed to finish as an RB1 again. Still hasn't done that this season. I'm going to trade David Johnson for Christian McCaffrey, uh, who has has not been letting me down this year. Matt, is that an overreaction? I think I would too. I just think McCaffrey looks so good, and he's catching so many passes. And I think 
that you know the new offensive staff is using him very very well I can't say the same for Johnson but I do think Johnson's turning the corner and just a quick Arizona note I really looked I, I liked Rosen a lot coming in to the season and I thought he looked really good so I think the offense might improve from stinking real bad I would like to hope so uh or like to think so but we've we've talked about it on here and we've seen it discussed pretty much everywhere. I don't know as, as much as we doubt Sam Bradford in general, I don't know that the issue was the quarterback as much as it was the coaching staff. And that hasn't changed. Uh, Curtis trade David Johnson for Christian McCaffrey overreaction. No, I think it's the right reaction. I, a cup actually a couple of weeks ago after I think week one, I moved uh, Christian McCaffrey up into my top five uh, at the position for dynasty and David Johnson's kind of been getting moved down uh, every week, just a spot or two. He's sitting way down there at uh, running back 10 for me. Now, uh, a lot of guys I prefer to him. And if he comes, I'm happy, I'm happy to, to move on. You know, if he comes back and has another top three season or something like that, I don't think he's going to string a run of those together. So I, I'm fine just divesting at this point. All right, next game, Raiders and the Browns. Curtis, before we talk about this scenario, you're you're a Browns fan, long-suffering Browns fan. You're uh in that northern Ohio area. I just just give me give me kind of your Browns take on how the season's going so far. Of course, we've seen Baker Mayfield, we saw the Josh Gordon trade, some of the young guys uh with at least promising performances, Callaway and Chubb. How are you feeling as a Browns fan? especially in relation to uh, dynasty leagues. I mean, it's a great, it's a great place to place uh, speculative bets on a lot of these young guys. I still feel like until Hugh is out of the way, it's going to be frustrating. And I'm just so worried that they're going to be good enough with Baker (laughs) and that talent. Right. I I just foresee a decade of Marvin Lewis, um, happening and I'm just really scared um that that's kind of this thing that's going on in the back of my head but you got to love the talent that they brought in I mean there's so much to be excited about on the offensive side of the ball can we just get Nick Chubb the ball a couple more times and um you know you know I I don't know why we had to suffer through a few weeks of Tyrod just little stuff like that the the prove it to me veteran first stuff I mean even Carlos Hyde I mean he seems like a great pro I've never heard any rumblings of him being a bad teammate but he hasn't really been very productive other than scoring touchdowns um like you know he he's just looked like a guy who's gotten some volume I don't know why they make the decisions they make but in, in terms of dynasty I would label Chubb a buy I would label Landry a buy of course Landry's been a buy for years and people you know still don't listen on that one and Joku's a buy Mayfield you probably can't buy so um Callaway probably missed your buy window on him too because he's shown enough that you're gonna have to pay more than you're comfortable um but it's an offense with Todd Haley and Baker Mayfield you know we talked about Jared Goff and Sean McVay earlier and this is nowhere near that so I'm but I I think it's that principle in dynasty that you want to chase the surrounding talent around quarterbacks and systems that you believe in uh because at the end of the day we want to score fantasy points so this is a great offense, I think, to invest uh, early and often. And then it, it may be next year before we fully realize uh, the, the interest that's coming back to us. But I, I do believe in, in all of these guys long term. 
It's funny. You said that so well because I'm often asked in the Pittsburgh market here, you know, are the Browns on the cusp of being the new king of the north? And I keep saying, yeah, whenever they get their new coach. But they might not if they have a decent season, and then you're in trouble. Yeah, that's and, and that's really why I wanted to ask you that, Curtis, because I, I, that thought had, had popped into my mind over the past couple of weeks of uh, watching them get that first win and, and then – uh, you know, honestly, they sh- they should have won that game with the Raiders on Sunday, um, but that's got to be like the the catch twenty two for for Browns fans. Of course, you want to see your team win. You want to see these young players succeed. But the more success and the more wins that that are there, the more likelihood that Hugh Jackson stays. So that's that's a tough spot. Let's talk about this game. We saw another good game, a uh, really good game from Jared Cook, the Raiders tight end who is essentially serving as the top option in that passing offense. Uh, He was the number one tight end in all of fantasy football in week four. And also in week four, we saw uh, just just a brutal week for the position. It's really been a brutal season for the tight end position, but we saw O.J. Howard go down with an injury. He'll be out at least two weeks. We saw Gronk leave the game with an injury, not even sure what's going on with him. And, of course, we saw Tyler Eifert out for the year, Will Disley out for the year, and, and that just adds to all the other injuries uh, from previous weeks and from the offseason. All of that goes to say, I think I'm going to rank Jared Cook in my top 10 dynasty tight ends. He is older, but he's producing. He's 31 years old. Looks like he's off to the best season of his career. Matt, is that an overreaction? Yeah, I just pulled up my list and moved him up, you know, thinking about this. And I'm, I think that there's eight guys that are clearly ahead of him. And then there's, to me, Trey Burton, Jimmy Graham, and Cook. I might take Cook over both those guys. Jimmy Graham's an old man. Moves like it. Jimmy Graham is 31, just like Jared Cook. Uh, so true, true, yeah. But they're moving differently, though. You know, to, to that same point. Graham is in the top 10 or 12 for, for most dynasty rankers. So maybe it's not crazy to put Jared Cook there. So Matt, you say that's an understandable reaction. Curtis, what do you think? I, I don't think top 10 is high enough. Um, before this season started. Oh. No, let's, listen, Whoa. before the season started, or even, even <laughs> let's rewind to last year. How high did most people have Delaney Walker and Greg Olson in their dynasty ranks? Those guys were consensus top six. Tight end is such a, in most leagues, still a terrible fantasy position. And I'll take anyone who's offering, you know, league winning upside at the start one positions. And Jared Cook has league winning upside. Uh, He's certainly won games for you the first four weeks this year. All offseason, I had to listen to all the old stories of, John Gruden propping up the the ancient receivers, you know, Tim Brown and Jerry Rice and all these guys had, you know, late career resurgences, Keenan McCardell, guys like that. We were asking the question about Jordy Nelson. We might not have been looking in the, in the right direction. Jared Cook is the guy that's been getting the calls. He's been getting the favorable matchups. They've been lining him up on the perimeter and one-on-ones watching. I can't remember uh, who it was in coverage um, (laughs) the other day, but uh, he's six five. Who's matching up? I mean, who's matching up with him in the ten zone? Nobody. And and Derek Carr seems to have uh, you know a ton of um, 
you know, a ton of positive energy towards him. He's clearly trusting him in all types of situations. He's getting targeted short. He's getting targeted deep. He's getting looks in the middle, looks on the outside. I mean, I I think you have to ask yourself, why shouldn't you rank Jared Cook in the top six, and why aren't you trading for Jared Cook if you're competing? I don't. I mean, I'll trade OJ Howard for Jared Cook right now. OJ Howard's not doing anything for my wow. my dynasty team right now. So let I mean, this, we can change this conversation if you want to talk, you know, two tight end. But I don't even want to hear it in, in single tight end, tight end, and premium. I'll go buy OJ Howard or the next OJ Howard later on. Right now, Jared Cook is it in in fantasy, and he can help you win because people aren't going to play this quickly enough. All right, I love the the fire takes from Curtis. So let's let's kind of nail down these rankings a little bit. We've got Kelsey, Gronk, and Ertz. Uh, I'm I'm going to assume those are the top three. Evan Ingram, are you still taking Evan Ingram and his injury, uh, kind of in a similar spot to OJ Howard? Are you taking Ingram over Cook still? I r- yeah, I, right right now I I have Jared Cook at at five. You guys can laugh laugh me off if you want. Um, I've got Ingram at four, and if we get a bad, you know, if we're going to miss out on him for the rest of the season or something, and somebody wants to give me, like, market rate for Evan Ingram, I'll go trade Evan Ingram for Jared Cook plus whatever I can get, and I'll just enjoy the production this year. I mean, that's 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 where I'm at on this thing. Uh, so I've got, yeah, I've got Cook at five, followed by Rudolph, uh, Njoku, and Kittle. All right, I love it. I love it. Next game, Chargers and the 49ers. Uh, Back to the tight end talk. We saw another good game from George Kittle. There was actually a little bit of concern with the quarterback change uh, after the Garoppolo injury. Uh, First, some some discussion that Kittle and C.J. Beathard went to to college together, which seems like a good thing. But if you look at Kittle's production with Beathard last year, it was average at best. Uh, but this week, week four, Kittle had a big game. I'm going to trade a 2019 first for Kittle. Again, we talked about the just the destruction at the tight end position. Uh, outside of guys like Cook and, and some of these top-tier guys, there's not much left. Matt, are you giving a 2019 first for George Kittle and starting him every week? Yes, and really for all the <laughs> that strong take on Cook, made me feel even stronger about saying yes to this because I think he's – I think Kittle's very much legit. I think he's going to be in a great system for years. I think he's going to be a primary receiver for years in that system. And because there is such a weakness there at that position, if I have an every week starter, a tight end, there's definitely a lot of value in that. Curtis, what about you? Uh, it just depends on where the 2019 first is. Um a year out and four weeks into the season, we should start getting a little bit of an idea. You know, if we think it's early, mid, late, not going to pay anything that looks like it's early. I think mid, late is when I start thinking about it. And if I'm like a lock, um, you know, a lock playoff team, I'm comfortable with it. Uh, He's shown enough for me that I don't think he moves outside of the top eight in dynasty for a long time. So we're talking about all these scenarios kind of, kind of on their own, I guess. But if you go back to that Jared Cook situation, yeah, Kittle probably cost a first right now. But Curtis, you already told us that you prefer Cook. And I think it's fair to say Cook is probably cheaper than Kittle, given their age and and just the, the dynasty hype that goes with that. So 
I, I would say that you you'd probably prefer to pay two seconds or a second and a third for Cook, and you wouldn't have to give up your first to get that tight end help. Oh, absolutely. If we're going to roll all these different scenarios into each other and they're not one-off discussions, yeah. I mean, I'm not even thinking about buying George Kittle. I'd, I'd strongly prefer to pay uh, for Jared Cook um, if we're comparing the scenarios. Yeah, and, and that would that would go into my thinking for calling this an overreaction. Is Kittle worth a first? Yeah, maybe, but I'm not going to pay that. Instead, I'm going to buy Rudolph for a second or uh, – Jared Cook for a second or someone else uh, rather than than pay for that youth at the tight end position. Jared's really getting me to <laughs> really making me Jared Cook is Curtis is making me think Jared Cook is somebody I have to go attack. I mean, your, your points on this case are really strong. He's pretty convincing. He's he's won he a few arguments yeah. between between the two of us. I know that. <laughs> All right, next game: Saints and Giants. Guys, I don't even necessarily have a scenario here. I just kind of want to break down the two top running backs, the two top receivers in this game. And and Curtis, you said earlier maybe it it doesn't really pay to to nitpick between these top tiers, and I, I understand that, but. Let's start with the receivers. Odell Beckham is a guy that's been the wide receiver one or two for uh, for over well over a year at this point for for years we can say. But Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas is creeping there. How are you ranking those two guys? And and if you want to throw DeAndre Hopkins into that mix as well, uh, how are you? Uh, I guess taking this first month of information to affect your dynasty rankings at the receiver position. Yeah, the, uh, the the Michael Thomas versus OBJ uh, question is is a great one. It's one that we've gotten uh, several times in Dynasty Command Center in the past month, and they're guys that I think there's a pretty clear top three um, now. If you look at age and production at the wide receiver position, I think it is DeAndre Hopkins and and OBJ and, and Michael Thomas. I personally, the tiebreaker to me goes to the guy with the quarterback that's not hot garbage. So I, I like Michael Thomas long-term. I like Odell Beckham Jr. long-term. But I have a lot more confidence in Michael Thomas week-to-week week, this year and next year than Odell Beckham Jr. So if there's people out there that still think, you know, Beckham's, hey, Beckham's my 101 overall still, and I'm not budging just because of a couple bad weeks um, and, and some social media, you know, shenanigans or whatever, um, that's that's fine. I'll take literally whatever you'll give me uh, on top of Michael Thomas and I'll make the swap. But, uh, but again, those aren't deals that I'm really seeking out. Um, I do have Hopkins as my, my number one receiver since you asked. And Matt, what about you, Thomas versus Beckham? We did talk about this a little bit last week as well. Yeah. And just to cut to the chase too. I mean, when you look at Kamara versus Barkley too, I think it all comes down to the quarterback. Like, these are all phenomenal talents. They're all super impressive. But Breeze is great. Eli doesn't look like a football player anymore, and there's not like there's a quarterback waiting in the wings there. That giant quarterback situation, big picture, might be the worst in the league. Yeah, it, it's really disappointing. You see Beckham and, and Barkley, and, and they're certainly putting up big numbers, uh, Barkley is at least, and uh, throw – Evan Ingram in there pre-injury and it just feels like all of these young stars are going to have a wasted year with with Eli Manning it's it's pretty frustrating uh but 
It sounds sounds like we're taking the Saints there, Thomas and Kamara. Let's move on. Ravens and the Steelers. Uh, we we saw the report that it sounds like Le'Veon Bell will report uh, around the week seven bye. James Conner for the fourth week in a row saw, or I guess the third week in a row saw his fantasy production decline. I'm just going to get out of Connor while I can. I was buying a couple weeks ago. Now I'm selling. I'm taking any 2019 first I can get. Matt, we'll start with you and the, and the Steelers take. Get what you can for Connor, if, especially if it's a 2019 first. Oh, yeah, I'm moving Connor for a first. Especially if it's a 2019 first. Yes, in a heartbeat. And just to add a little bit of Lev news, you know, you mentioned that he probably, he said he's going to come back during the buy. I believe that he will. Who knows? He could change his mind. He's changed his mind before. But what's interesting here is a little birdie told me the Steelers might put the transition tag on Bell after this year to keep him another year and maybe extend him. Who knows? But why that's interesting is because the transition tag is based off the money you earned the year before. And as he keeps sitting out, that transition tag isn't that crazy anymore. So if he only you're only playing him for 10 games at like $8.5 million, you can transition tag him for like 10-ish, give or take, as opposed to insane numbers. So he might be a stealer for, you know, the next 26 games. The, uh, the transition tag allows him to negotiate with other teams, though, too, right? It does. It does. It, yeah, it, it basically invites trade offers and, and other, other contract offers. So that, that would be an interesting one. Uh, Curtis, what are you doing with James Conner? I'm kind of conflicted uh, 2019 first. I'm not sold that Le'Veon Bell is going to be back next year. And yes, Connor's fallen off the past couple games. But the idea that he was going to be exactly Le'Veon Bell after week one was a little absurd. I mean, it was a great game. But Le'Veon Bell's a generational type talent, or at least a once every five to seven years type talent uh, in the NFL. Connor's not that. But if the Pittsburgh Steelers offense is still going to funnel volume to to Connor, I still want to own him. Um, and so, you know, do I sell him for first? I think it probably depends on the context. It's not a home run for me. Um, man, I uh, if somebody wanted to give me a really early first and I knew it was going to be a really early first, obviously I, I, I would cash out. But Connor's probably more of a, a guy that I will go buy at his reduced price once Le'Veon Bell comes back. And, I, and I'll play that game because so I think his value will just tank. One other note on that is I'm less confident now that if Bell isn't back, that they will just give it to Connor. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Connor's going to be the man in 19. Yeah, but I mean, in today's NFL, it's 1A, 1B, like everywhere. Um, and if, if Connor's going to be 1A and a Ben Roethlisberger led offense, he's still worth a late first with what he would likely produce. I mean, he's. At worst, he's probably a mid RB two over the course of a season if that's his role. So, that that I mean, that's my take on it anyway. All right, guys, last game: Chiefs and Broncos. We saw another huge game from Patrick Mahomes as they came back and won in Denver. And despite the Chiefs' poor offense, we saw just a, just an average game, or we can say even a disappointing game from Broncos quarterback Case Keenum. The whispers for Chad Kelly are getting louder and louder. I'm in a super flex league. Chad Kelly's on the waiver wire. I'm spending all of my waiver wire money to get Chad Kelly. Curtis, is that an overreaction? 
No way, man. What super flex league is he out there in? So if he if he hit it, uh, I liked your your example earlier where you would trade for more. I I would trade for more to go get Chad Kelly and super flex. And and I mean, the NFL is just chock full of these young attitude guys now, and it would just be fun to have some swag Kelly on your team if he actually does good. Um, so yeah, I just I just like the idea of Chad Kelly at this point um, being successful in the league. So. A, a guy that I would I would want to root for success and th- at the low low cost of my uh, fab yeah I'll go get him yeah I, I agree I guess the only thing and I'm still getting him on my roster no matter what but the only thing that concerns me is how they've handled this quarterback situation in the past couple of years and maybe it was a case of not having options like Kelly behind them but you know, Simeon and Lynch, and they've stuck with these guys a lot longer than they probably should have. And I just wonder, especially after giving, giving Keenum a, a decent free agent contract, I wonder if they're just going to ride him out and, and be a little stubborn with that. Matt, what's your take getting Kelly? Are you spending 95% of your, of your blind bid money? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think Keenum's proving to be a backup. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a coaching change there next year or a quarterback change. I mean, I know they have a lot invested, but I think at some point this year, Kelly deserves a crack. I don't think Keenum is the answer and is not getting their money worth out of him. And yes, I mean, he could be a premium asset in that format. They just, they just keep messing up this, this quarterback situation. All right, guys, that is all the games. Great stuff. Curtis, tell all our listeners where they can find your work. Uh, you can find my my writings uh, over at Pro Football Focus, part of the fantasy team over there, uh, putting out uh, really a, a lot of weekly content this year, more than than I had planned. So I'm doing some weekly injury updates uh, that can help you with your start sits. I'm doing uh, some Debbie and Dynasty stuff on kind of al- alternate weeks, uh, and also doing some college football DFS if you're the type that dabbles into that. Um, you can also, if, if you want, you know, me to help you out with your with your team, whether it's managing it uh, or kind of teaching you how I play. Uh, also, be able to learn from Ryan and how he plays. You can find me over at the Dynasty Command Center, and you can learn more about that at DynastyCommandCenter.com. Awesome stuff! Thanks for joining us, Curtis. We'll be back next week for more Dynasty Blue Time.